You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to Elsters, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott. Real quick before we get into the show, you can find all the info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, by going to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncasts.com. And as a warning on Elsners, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and we will swear liberally. You have been warned. Corey, how you doing? I'm all right. It, yeah. it it was it i we managed to time like last week was the first time i can remember where the show got canceled by someone other than me for <laughs> me it was you it, you were the one who's like hey let's skip the show because i i work black friday and i'm like oh okay no, yeah no that was b was it i, I yeah, feel like you b. you brought it up first but anyways i was just kind of <laughs> like oh i it's not my fault. It's totally <laughs> not my fault. Um, and then not I got really fault. sick and not was sick throughout most of the week. And so it was it was just like I canceled the show anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So whatever. I didn't add to it because B, uh, B canceled B originally because of he worked Black Friday. I had worked Black Friday too, but I figured at the very least I had seen some stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to have to deal deal with putting out the episodes while I'm in Black Friday recovery mode at work. So mini break from the podcast <laughs> and all that. But anyways, um, that is all done and over with. Now it is the fourth of December when we are recording this. Yeah, the else news. The first bit of news here that we have is that Sabrina the Teenage Witch series is being picked up by netflix with a two-season order um so this is based on archie comics the chilling adventures of sabrina series and this was originally in development at the cw in september as a potential companion to riverdale and it has oh wow i didn't see the episode thing but it has landed a 20 episode two season straight to series order at netflix um, some of the big people behind this are, um, this actually comes from the same creative team as Riverdale, uh, Roberto Aguilar uh, Sejasa, uh, Berlanti Productions and Warner Brothers Television, and Sejasa and Leo, or sorry, Lee Toland Krieger are reprising their roles as the writer and the directors, respectively, of the pilot for uh riverdale they're doing the same thing for sabrina and roberto is also the one who's been writing the comic yes the cool so the cool thing with this for me is that this sort of answered a question or a fear that i've had for a while that everyone's like oh no you're crazy you're crazy you're crazy and that's the fact that the cw can't make all these shows like they have five superhero shows that are coming to that are going to be in series they have 
now with Black Lightning coming out, they have seven, unless I'm forgetting one, comic book property TV shows. Uh, Sabrina would have been the eighth. All of these except for iZombie done by Greg Berlanti and his production team. So it, it got to the point where, and plus they still have their other strong shows like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Jane the Virgin. Um, well, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, not performing well. Beloved, yes. certainly beloved, certainly uh, gets gets a lot of appreciation from the critics, but unfortunately not getting the views. Yes. And that's that's kind of a, a thing to to be aware of is that sometimes there are shows that as much as we don't want to see them go, maybe it's not such a bad idea to have shows in the pocket ready to go when you just finally make that 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 kill call and say this this show's done, you know. And that that's why they develop stuff. Is, yeah. is how many things have we seen come and go really fast? And then you've always got your your summer series, uh, like here's where we're going to put in uh, your game show about people throwing cows. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem outside the lines of what CW's done in the past in the summer uh, or your Amish in the city or whatever you want to do. It. I'm not terribly surprised when they, they have more stuff in the can. Like, oh, well, where is this going to go in the schedule? What's it going to replace? Well, maybe it's not going to replace anything. Maybe it's just going to be where you'd normally see reruns. You'll see this. I still miss when there was TV on fucking Saturdays. Uh, when you could get actual new content. Uh, I just watched the 50th anniversary of Carol Burnett show last night with my wife. Carol Burnett show used to be a hugely popular program, was on at 10 o'clock on Saturday nights. Yeah. You know, but everybody fucking watched it. So it's it's weird that Saturday nights are now a dead zone, that even the show that people would stay up late to watch on Saturday nights has been moved from 1130 to 8 o'clock. And then just replays at eleven thirty after another rerun of it. It's totally off to me that it's just like nothing happens there. But that that being said, I'm more. I don't know how to say this. It, not concerned, but surprised. I guess that this is landing on Netflix. With I I, I know that the CW already has some whatever relationship with Netflix. But it still seems like was that the the perfect place? Why not? Because they're they're co-owned by CBS. Why not on the CBS streaming app? You know, Supergirl. What about Supergirl? Look, you look look at look at Supergirl, another comic book property. Very pretty. That okay? Okay, I'm not talking about your about your your search history here, but you look <laughs> at. The, <laughs> <laughs> you look at the look at the first season of Supergirl that aired on CBS. You it was can't going to handle get, my search history, by the way. <laughs> it was gonna, it was going to get canceled. It was it, you know it was, but instead, it got it went to the CW where it fits more. It fit better, right? It fits um, at the CW. But what I'm saying is, if you're going to take it and not use it at the CW. Why not put it on your own existing streaming service that you're still trying to get to take off? Right now, the only thing that's compelling people to go there is Star Trek. You know, they desperately need content for the CBS streaming service. And but instead, then, they're giving content to Netflix. But then to that, re to that regard, 
why not do CW Seed? They own it. They have right. a bunch of content over there where they've got um, the Ray. Um, they, they got like what five? I think five more comic book property t- uh, things over there, including Constantine. But isn't know, from- CWC free? Yeah, right. That, so that's that, why. So, which means there's <laughs> a low, but which means there's a low barrier to entry. It's ad supported, so people don't really like that. And there's a back catalog of a bunch of stuff from you from the UPN WB days. Um, like it's got like the game and girlfriends and like a whole bunch of other shows. And I'm like, Oh, like this. And they do originals. And I'm like, I think I might check out that original. I just haven't yet. The big, right. There's, there's already not enough compelling stuff on the seed for you to watch it. Like, I know that they've had cartoons that relate to the CW superhero shows. And I haven't watched any of those. I haven't watched Vixen. I haven't watched the Ray because I, 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 even before I was burnt out on the, the superhero shows on, on CW, I already didn't really give a crap about their animation tie-ins. Not to say they're bad, just not for me. But this is a moment of we're gathering our content back. Why are we going to sign a contract with Netflix and give them this exclusive content when we need to be drawing that stuff back into our own house? Beat has the answer here, which is I was... Public nudity. Like, yeah. Um, no. Netflix has the with the CW they have a I believe it's with the exception of Riverdale so I'm going to separate Riverdale for a second all the CW shows um air on Netflix eight days after they end right so so if uh Jane the Virgin ends on uh March 7th then eight days later on March 15th Yep, 15th. I, I don't know why I picked such a hard number to do math with. Um, boom, all the all the season is on Netflix. Same thing with here with that here in America with Riverdale. The difference is Riverdale around the rest of the world is a Netflix original. All the other superhero shows are not. They have okay. their own like um And that's like, that's the part I was missing. If Riverdale yeah. everywhere else is a Netflix exclusive, then then putting the spin-off of Riverdale with that and and whether or not it's actually attached to it that yeah. makes a certain degree of sense i i yeah. okay that i that I can appreciate uh beats trying to say it's it's too dark to be on cbs all access and i'm calling bullshit because i saw the pilot no, for star trek yeah. discovery it's for, like not for he's, he's i think he's saying more for cbs not cbs all access but anyways the no, other he part, said cbs well he, he I was, yeah not a fit for cbs yeah, um, I didn't but, expect them to put it on CBS proper, but I've been talking about CBS All Access. And and like I said, the only reason why I'm saying that is because they need shows for that service to draw people in. And and yeah, if you want to make it just like CBS TV, then you just create a uh, thousand and one NCISs to put on there. <laughs> uh if if you if you want to actually get people in and give them something other than what's on CBS TV so that they feel like oh there's a reason I'm paying for this then you create some variety and some new original content uh but no that 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 makes sense if if it's yeah. Riverdale is has got such that's the thing it's a draw it's, for Netflix yeah. it just surprises me that that they Which, keep putting stuff out there now CBS 
CW, all these things are production companies. They want their shit watched. They want to get paid for their production and everything. They want people to to find their content. Then maybe eventually when they become so gigantic with their content that people will chase them around, they can go and develop their own uh, Disney-like service. But at this point in time, it's like you're you're putting the carpet before the horse with CBS All Access. The other part with this, with the whole Riverdale Netflix thing, is that with with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina going to Netflix, you pointed it out earlier. Who who partially owns the CW? CBS. There you go. They don't have to do deal with CBS. It it gets strictly owned by Warner Brothers, so then yeah. they don't have to worry about you know there because I'm pretty sure CBS was gave them an offer of hey you could put it on all access and all this stuff, but and if this was you know three years into the future when CBS all access has a lot of original content and is I'm I'm being optimistic here and is a viable solution, they probably would take taken them up on that offer. But I when, guess it depends on who Berlanti, who who Berlanti's master master is, uh, and and I say that knowing I'm not really talking about slavery. Please don't think that he's that's what I'm and, about. and he's who who his loyalties are would probably be a, right a because way. is it is it Warner Brothers? Yes. Uh, because he does a lot of stuff with Warner Brothers, but then he does stuff with Archie, which is not Warner Brothers. That's that's the thing is we're not talking about a Warner Brothers property. We're talking about an Archie Comics property. And so but just I because the same production I, company doesn't mean that it's anything WB itself related, and which case CBS could have been the backers for the Archie show. Uh, that's 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 kind of the question is he. He may have his hands in so many honeypots that it's not about who or where it's like, well, just we don't want this content for this channel. I Maybe they just didn't like the show. Maybe that's really what it is, is CBS is like, no, we're good. We don't need a Sabrina. Uh, okay. That, that so, last series she had didn't last at all. So to answer your question, Berlanti's loyalties are in Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers Television is, is, part of, is one of the production companies for Riverdale and the distributor. So therefore, you look at everything that Berlanti is working on. It has two letters that are involved with a lot of his, his TV programming. Are they stuff. FU? No. no, W and B. Yeah, that's. But he he, Supergirl was on CBS before. You still, know, it didn't work Warner out there. Still Warner Brothers produced. Still Warner Brothers produced. That's what I'm saying. Is that and yeah. and Warner Brothers producing versus Archie producing? It it's. I think that's a guy who's trying to diversify so he's not just the Warner Brothers TV show guy. Yeah. But at the same time, he's the Warner Brothers TV go show, TV show guy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited to see this. I'm glad that they're doing that you know this is going to be short concise seasons because then you know fit it in more with the Netflix timeline not or you know the Netflix series order less the american basic cable or you know uh, network tv of let's do 22 24 episodes a season where we did then you have watch a lot of the first season of riverdale i watched okay so 
this is the point in the show I like to call Gregor's CW Roundup. <laughs> First season of Riverdale, watched. Every other superhero show, comic book show on the CW, with the exception of iZombie, last year, I watched. Um, iZombie, I sort of fell out, fell, fell out of love with it. Um, this year, watched the first episode of Riverdale, and I'm like, eh, you know, maybe I'll watch it on Netflix, sort of deal. Got the same way with Arrow, got the same way with Supergirl, got the same way with Legends and Flash, but I'm using the Crisis on Earth X as my jumping back on point for Legends and Flash because those had the most promise for me, you know, with them with those shows. Um, I've I loved the the Dibney. I'm blanking on the first name. Ralph. Ralph Dibney. Yeah. Ralph Dibney character. I've I've I loved that. Um, and really wished they brought him in for Crisis on Earth X. With the Sabrina the Sabrina show being on CW, I feel like I would have it would have fallen on the wayside because i mean honestly they're the only shows i'm really watching now on the cw are um flash uh flash legends and then i'm a couple episodes behind on jane the virgin everything else that i've been watching you know like crazy ex-girlfriend i've sort of i think i said this before on a previous episode it's gotten a little too crazy for my liking <laughs> to where i'm like uh yeah well, the, the reason why I was asking if you watch Riverdale, I didn't. Uh, I I am acutely aware that that show is not for me. But as I understand it, the first season was a murder mystery. Yes. And it was a 22-episode season. I believe... No, no, it wasn't that long because so it debuted. It was mid-season. Um, hold on. I want to say it was like 13. Okay, because that's the question I was going to ask is, did it feel like... The season was too long for that story and does having Sabrina. Now we don't know if Sabrina is going to be a mystery to solve or anything, but I, I'm sure if it follows the same sort of themes as Riverdale, that it's going to be some overarching story and then stuff that breaks it up along the way. Do we feel that Sabrina benefits because it's shorter, but if Riverdale itself wasn't along for a season, but you lost excitement for coming back for the second one, that's what I was curious about. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the first up, the first season was thirteen episodes of Riverdale. Second season is twenty-two episodes, and I think the reason why I've sort of lost interest in in Riverdale is in the the first episode of season two, uh, chapter fourteen, a kiss, a kiss before dying, where it seemed like, and, and I didn't know that it was going to be a 22 episode season, but it was seemed like it was one of these things where, all right, we're setting up this overarching thing that is going to happen over the course of however many episodes, which I hope I am wrong because that like to, to do this, who's this masked killer striking a little, haha. <laughs> Because I I thought the same thing. The overarchy, this seems like it's getting a little too close to me to my comfort to Gotham, with with how they're with how Gotham's doing their horseshit shenanigans, and so I'm just like I've been like I, I don't like no I don't want 
to watch Riverdale. Now with, and, and I think another big part of it is it seems like this, they're taking these characters and I, I get that it's more based on, what is it like afterlife with Archie? It, you know, the, it is. And it isn't afterlife with Archie was a zombie book that I think Robert Roberto actually also wrote, but yeah. it, are you saying Sabrina is taking on that aspect or I know that the Sabrina no. comic that it's quoting from is a spinoff from afterlife with Archie. The, no, the, the Riverdale TV show. I like it's, it's not based off of the Mark Wade reboot of Archie. Uh, it's not, right. And it's not rated. It's, it's not based, based off the digest. Yeah. It's not based off the digest. It's based off of one of those like afterlife with Archie, like, like alternate dimension type books. Right, it's it's out of continuity with the regular yeah. Archie stuff, but in the TV show, none of that context matters. Yeah, uh, I one thing that so when Twin Peaks came out in 1990, the first season came in. It was a mid-season replacement, I think. Uh, it was eight episodes for the first season. The first season was genius, but the biggest complaint from a lot of people was that they didn't tell us who the killer was. Uh, so we got eight fantastic episodes and they were very tight and very awesome. And then they came back for the second season. And in the second season, uh, aside from ABC insisting that they tell us who the killer of Laura Palmer was kind of early on, the second season is a slog and it's 22 episodes. And it feels like a lot of it is trying to discover what the show's going to be after they solve Laura's murder but the Laura's murder solving didn't really give us answers it's just like and now here's five episodes of some bullshit with James everything with James is bullshit in Twin Peaks but it's it's to get us to the point where we start to deal with stuff with Wyndham Earl and some other cool things that actually happen on the show but yeah and and it seems like that might be what it sounds like you think Riverdale might be aiming for is that the first season was 13 episodes got you through it was complete put down your fucking phone and the second season is maybe going to feel too long to to jump into right now and to dedicate to weekly viewing yeah. as opposed to yeah. getting to binge it when you're in a fucking mood for it i th i think that's the big thing i think honestly that is one of the big things and were you telling me to get off my fucking phone? Or oh, you... Yes, I was. Absolutely, I was. Because <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. What? The, what? <laughs> but no, I mean, it's like, because that makes a lot of sense. You know, with the, you know, with Twin Peaks, with even with Riverdale, because that's my thought exactly is they're going to drag this out over the course of the whole season. In the back of my head, I'm like, it's going to be 22 episodes. So I feel like, you know, with the Sabrina thing, they've said, boom, 20 episodes over the course of two seasons two seasons right two 10 makes, episode seasons it, or yeah yeah that's, that sounds like it sounds par for the course for netflix right now yeah even it, things it, like fuller house they're releasing in half seasons at a time so you're getting you know a group of episodes that you can binge watch and feel okay oh i can't believe i sat through the whole 13 episodes in one weekend but it's not as sickening as i can't believe i sat through 24 episodes in a day See, oddly enough, the I had that exact opposite feeling with the third season of uh, Voltron Legendary Defenders because it was like, it's, I'm like, this is too short. 
because I, but I think, I think it was only like seven, like six or seven episodes as opposed yeah, to. Yeah, but don't you feel like too short is better than too long? That's not what she said. <laughs> I mean, sort of, because at that point, it's like they, they told a lot of story in that to where it was almost like you might as well do a movie as opposed to a you know a you know like a, a short series or a short season but i don't know i'm excited for this i think the other part is honestly uh, and we hit it before it's the because it's going to be on netflix it could fall in in the same vein as a lot of other shows who go on the streaming services right away and the be the oh we're not on a network we can swear and we can do these other things that we can't do on a network and stuff like that yeah it it depends it, it's it's like diamond club you know when they stopped being nsfw and they started being night attack they it was oh we can swear now and you wondered if they were going to veer in that direction so hard that it was going to make it difficult to listen to it's like oh because we can swear we're only going to swear that kind of thing and and that's a that's a danger all the time it, it's yeah. like the south park movie when we went to see the south park movie uh years ago it was like oh well they can they can drop the f-bomb in this but they celebrated it in such a way that it made it funny. It was part of the joke. It was part of the plot. It's like the swearing is is the reason why the movie is what it is. But I, I totally get that that's, that's worrisome. If you have people who like the Archie series who maybe shouldn't necessarily be watching the Archie series already because they're, they, the themes are a little adult, to then have that next path be, oh yeah, you go from this over to Sabrina, which is, you know, similar series, same creators and everything. And it's like, oh, and in Sabrina, they bang. Uh, <laughs> or like, I feel weird sometimes when I'm watching the Netflix superhero shows, uh, the the Marvel shows. Yeah. Because there is some kind of hardcore sex stuff in that. In a universe that while we'll probably never see these characters cross over with Iron Man and Captain America and stuff, I just feel like, wow, that is Luke Cage is really going to town on a lot of women. Right on Luke Cage, right on women who are sleeping with Luke Cage because he's fine as shit. But just in general, <laughs> it's like there is some there is some hardcore banging happening in this show, and it's not super graphic in, in nudity or anything, but it is like. So I, I got a I got a sex scene in my Punisher show. Was not expecting that. You know, it, it's it still feels a little weird. It, it's like reading Punisher and Spider-Man and then going to pick up a Punisher Max series and going, oh, oh, OK. You know, it, it it's not that it's not OK. It's just it's a little bit off putting when yeah. you're used to these characters being portrayed a certain at a at a PG-13 level and then making it a little bit past that level. Yeah. I have no segue. Yeah. The next story. How would you? <laughs> the next story is that Jude Law has been cast as the male lead opposite Brie Larson in Captain Marvel. 
you know, not to be confused, like I have done numerous times with Paul Bettany, who was already in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Jarvis and later Vision. But yeah, he's, he's as far as we know right now, he's in negotiations to play the male lead opposite uh, Brie Larson. The word is that he could be playing Dr. Walter Lawson, a.k.a. Marvell. So for those of you guys who do not know what or for well, I'm gonna stick with the movie first. Uh Captain Marvel, which you can see the statue behind me, and many other toys because I'm a big Captain Marvel fan. It's gonna be set in the nineties. This it's gonna be set before the Avengers, but obviously after Captain America. And it's going to be Brie Larson as the female Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, and all that. Um, so we were people were sort of wondering, you know especially comic book fans who know the origin. Well, how are you going to get this in here? Like, how are you going to do this? You know, with including Marvel, who was the Captain Marvel before her and all that. And, um, yeah, for, for people who don't know the, the origin of the character, there was a Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers who, who went by Marvel. He was part of the Cree and he, in a very famous storyline, one of the first big like graphic novel things that I remember seeing my first time in a comic shop as a kid was the death of Captain Marvel, and he died of cancer. But at that point in time, we had already been introduced to Carol uh, in his series, and then she got her own spinoff series as Miss Marvel. She had received her powers essentially from him. I never had any of the, the Marvel stuff, but I had the first issue of Miss Marvel. Uh, just like I had the first issue of She-Hawk and a, a bunch of other stuff. But yeah. like I remember her more than I remember him, but I always remember the image of the the Marvel superheroes gathered around him dying in a hospital bed and how bizarre it was to see this very human, horrific but mundane death seemingly uh, portrayed in a comic book with a superhero character and how odd that was. So the question has been, since Carol took over the role of Captain Marvel uh, several years back, and there are some people who, not even necessarily just for the sexist reasons, sometimes it's sexist reasons, but some people are just like, Marvel is my Captain Marvel. Uh, I'm always like, well, Billy over at DC is my Captain Marvel uh, actually back when he was at Fawcett, but that's a different story. Um, but, but that's because they grew up with Marvel. You know, they, they remember that and they see him in the role. Carol taking over the role makes sense. Just in the same way as Wally West taking over the flash made sense. Uh, it sucks to lose. If Barry was your favorite character, losing Barry blows, but getting Wally as a flash, it, it, it had to happen in the context of the story. It did. I think it was well done. And for years, Wally was the Flash. And when Barry came back, everybody was like, what the fuck? Where's my Wally West, motherfuckers? Uh, yeah. And and if Carol suddenly went to a different night or night, because she's had a few, and stopped being Captain Marvel and Marvel came back, a lot of people would complain, where's Carol? Why isn't Carol Captain Marvel anymore? Why would she just give that up? That's, that's difference of opinions. That's different of, like, my favorite, your favorite. But it it was a question was in the movies, 
How is she going to get her powers? Is she going to be the first Captain Marvel? Are we going to skip past all the Marvel stuff? And we don't know. But it seems like that's possible that we'll get the Marvel. And and it could be as simple as a passing of the torch. Like, I don't want to really reference this movie, but it is how it fucking happened. The Green Lantern movie. He could be like the Abe and Sir to Carol. Uh, he could be like the uh, the doctor that gave Steve his powers and inspired him with his speech and everything and kept offering him drinks that he wouldn't let him have. Uh, and, and Stanley Tucci was fantastic in that and a very important role in the film, but fleeting, you know, he was there until he wasn't needed anymore. He did his part and he, he went on and it was all Steve's journey anyways. So it's very likely this is all Carol's journey and how big of a part would Marvel play in this journey? I don't know. But when I, Think about who could play the character. Jude Law seems like a really solid choice. Yeah. I mean, the other the other bit of news that we have here is uh, Ben Mendelsohn is on board uh, playing the villain of Cap Mar of Cap the Cap Marvel movie. Um, I'm honestly I'm I'm loving this, and you did you you did also forget to mention that you know the other one that this has already happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to date, and that is Ant Man with Hank Pym. Yeah, but see, I, I consider that different because there wasn't that kind of relationship between them in the comics. It was seriously True. like Hank Pym was persona non grata for a long time in the comics, and they just tried to put anybody they could into a different Hank Pym identity to keep the character names and costumes running around without having the wife beater. Uh, I think they did a very good job of that. and But I also think that in that case, Hank Pym is still part of it. Uh, yeah. Hank Pym is going to be in the the next movie in the sequel, so yeah, I I don't know, but but I I, I do concede to your point absolutely. Yeah, and also I should point out that one the movie is expected to premiere on March eighth, twenty nineteen, and that Jude Law is going to be a very very busy man as he's already playing the role of young Albus Dumbledore in the Fantastic Beasts sequel, The Crimes of of Grindelwald, Grindelwald, and he's also attached to star in the third Sherlock Holmes film, which Warner Brothers is currently developing. And he just wrapped shooting Woody Allen's next movie, starring Al Fanning, and is about to start shooting the spy thriller, the wither, the the rhythm section, opposite Blake Lively. So the dude is already in demand. And it, it, depending on how this movie goes and how, what Marvel has plans for Marvel. Don't make rhythm method joke. Don't make rhythm method joke. Don't make rhythm method joke. <laughs> you know, he, he could be very, very busy for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, we've seen cast photos and stuff from the next Fantastic Beasts. Uh, so we've already kind of got an idea as to where where they're in with production on that. I, it, <sighs> But will he have a mustache that he cannot shave? <laughs> Doesn't he have one in uh, Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, he does. That's uh, right. His, I believe his, because uh, he plays Watson, if I remember correctly. I've not seen the the Robert. Ooh, ooh. That's right. Sorry, I just, I just, I just had a thought about for for Avengers, Avengers four. Like they bring him because they're the rumor is that Captain Marvel Carol Danvers is going to be in there. If there's a, a bit where we get Marvel in there and they 
he turns to Iron Man and they do this little nod to the Sherlock Holmes franchise. When I saw Iron Man the first few times, I kept thinking that it was Jude Law was Jarvis. It, it didn't. It didn't occur to me that it it was Paul uh, Bettany at the time. But I kept thinking, oh, how great is that that they've got Watson in in Tony's ear? That would be great, especially because Watson is an artificial intelligence. But yeah, it just it, it the irony wasn't there. Unfortunately, I do like that they had uh, Paul Bettany's wife uh, Jennifer Connelly play the artificial intelligence in Spider Man suit though. Yeah. Uh, that was really awesome when I found that out. I'm like, no idea. I didn't even know they were together. Lucky I didn't either. But no, it's the other part that I that I like is that apparently I'm like I'm not the only person who confuses them too. And it's like it's like them and then uh Matt Damon and and uh oh I'm blanking on his name. Um he was in um Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett. Like those two got mixed up for me in the early two thousands. It was like actually those two groups right there: the Paul Bettany, Jude Law, and Matt Damon and uh, Josh Hartnett sort of were like interchangeable for me. <laughs> uh, I always get Matt Damon confused with Fat Damon. <laughs> with Fat Damon. Uh, well, th- there was a guy who looks a lot like a a not even fat, but a puffier version of Matt Damon who is in uh, season two of Fargo. Yeah. But yeah, so the next thing we're only on our uh, story number three here, folks, is that fear not the Joss Whedon Batgirl movie is still happening. Sources say um, this is after the, and um, I'm going to address a commenter um, who commented on our last episode. We, I think we made it pretty clear. We never, that, uh, you know, Corey has since then seen Justice League, that we haven't seen it, and we were going based off of the numbers of the opening weekend and all this and our. Fears. What was the comment? Um, uh, so the comment was along the lines of, "How can you guys say? How can you guys judge a show or judge something that you haven't seen?" Which is a fair enough comment. I am not judging it based on the content of the the movie. I will save that for when I finally do see Justice League. And yeah, yeah, he goes, "Why are you even commenting on a movie you didn't see?" If if I was saying that it was a review, then yes, I would I would agree that yeah. that's something that doesn't make a lot of sense. Here's my review of a movie that I didn't see or I only saw half of, which is why I tried to be very careful to not review, especially because uh I have given harsh reviews in the past to the two movies that came before it. Uh, I didn't want to treat that movie unfairly, but yeah, that, that wasn't what the story was about. That's like saying, Oh, uh, you can't talk about the new star Wars movie and, and someone who's doing effects for it because the new star Wars movie isn't even out. So how do you even know? Well, cause it said in the news story that he's doing effects for it. And that's what we're talking about. We're going off of, past experience with the guy and how we we think that will go but we're we're reserving judgment which i guess isn't something that you can do in a youtube comment mm? yeah basically with how this guy <laughs> saying hey we should only review stuff is according to this guy which you know I, i'm not i know don't get me wrong i'm not bashing the dude 
I'm just saying he asks hey, a question and and yeah. and give an answer. And and it's yeah. it's hey, you know, we got a comment on a YouTube video. That's pretty good for us. Uh yeah. that's I don't, not I don't... that's not one of the kids from my church. <laughs> <laughs> I think you gotta gosh, swear at him. Um no, I it I I think that that is reasonable question to ask if the circumstances were a little different. But uh, to be fair, the video was about Justice League and had Justice League in the title and the person maybe came to it assuming that it was a review of Justice League because that's what was pouring out onto different sites at that point in time. Everybody was talking about Justice League. Most of the people who reviewed it, I'd like to think, saw it. Yeah. Uh, that's just not what our content was that week. Uh, what to, to step back for a second, because I don't want to give a, a full review of it, but I will say there was parts I liked about the new Justice League movie. I've, I've seen the whole thing now. There were definitely things that I took issue with, and it seems likely that it all stems from the same thing of history of, I know what I enjoy from these types of characters. I know what I enjoy as far as movies, and I don't personally take to Zack Snyder's style of filmmaking and storytelling. For me, we're just not a good match. Uh, that doesn't mean he's a bad director or a bad storyteller. It just means that I'm not the one who's going to go seek out his stuff. But I also don't like uh, foreign films all written in French. Uh, they're, they're not my first pick. Doesn't mean I won't watch them, won't give them a try. And if I see one that really impresses me, I'll say, that was great. You know, I'm surprised. But unfortunately, so far in the history of Zack Snyder movies, all the ones I've seen have not agreed with me. It's okay. It's okay yeah. to not like something. Um, but there were parts that I liked in the new Justice League movie, and I'm pretty sure from what I have seen and what I picked up from experience that they were probably the stuff that was reshot by Joss. Uh, or come up with completely by Joss. And then even in those things, there were still things that were not great because I think it was a really hard movie to make under the circumstances of it. But I felt like for me, it was some steps in a more preferable direction. And I feel bad because so many great people were involved in it and it's getting some shit that is probably deserved but it's unfortunate because it seems like there's a lot that they learned and that they could do going forward to improve the franchise and i just don't know if they're going to get the opportunity or not yeah so back to the article that originally spawned this off because we are getting dangerously close into lcu's territory i guess there was a rumor i did not see this rumor i do not know well wow, that sounded like donald trump there i, I apologize um but that Josh well did you start the rumor was... because if you if you started the rumor and then deny <laughs> knowing that the rumor existed uh, that's <laughs> no but so there's there was a rumor that Josh Whedon has been was quietly dumped from writing and directing the upcoming batgirl movie and it was based on the somewhat critical reviews and the middling box office performance of justice league which Whedon co-wrote and managed his directorial reshoots. Um, which it's, if, if that was the case, it would be understandable, you know, like for, for a manner of speaking. 
but it's like it's like getting an engineer to work on the Titanic during its first cruise. It's like you dumb motherfucker. You you let the ship sink. Dude, I didn't build the fucking ship. I was just here when everything went fucking wrong. I I <laughs> turned a fucking screw or 300 trying to stab off the water, but you dumb sons of bitches are the ones who put the thing in the fucking ocean to begin with. I, I why do I get fucked? Yeah, I mean it's So it's one of these things that he's you know, people were saying this. A lot of it's because he uh also made headlines by favoriting tweets or a tweet slamming Justice League's villain Steppenwolf, which suggests his feelings about the project must be interesting. Which he was right um, to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and just kidding. Also, also I'm gonna put on a little other quick little side thing because the two articles I've hated seeing with this is both have the same headline from numerous different sources. Fans petitioned for Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. And then later on, fans petition for Joss Whedon cut of Justice League. I'm like, there's a part of me, a, and I, but I am a lazy son of a bitch that goes, I want to put on a, a change.org thing of, and just be no, no fan or no other, no Joss Whedon or Zack Snyder cut of the movie, just the theatrical release of the movie. And boom, we're done. And see how many views that gets and if it makes headlines and stuff like that. I, it's funny because in both cases they would be incomplete movies. Yeah. Uh which which is sort of what it already was. But realistically, it, it in both cases you would get some of a movie, uh, but not the whole thing because Snyder didn't complete his his film for horrible circumstances that were no fault of his own. And yeah. Joss only shot what needed to be shot. Uh, for what was left and what he and the production company decided they wanted to alter. Uh, I, I said jokingly on a message board earlier today, uh, I go into a Best Buy store. I buy the Joss Whedon version of Justice League. I open up the Blu-ray case. There is a copy of Serenity. I feel perfectly okay with my purchase. Um, <laughs> that's that's a thing. Is <laughs> There's never going to be a perfect cut of this movie, yeah. um, and certainly not by anybody's taste. And I, I swear to God, if if one of the directors had done the whole thing, there would not be a perfect cut of a movie because you can't have a perfect cut of a fucking movie. Someone's got opinions that are different than yours, even if they match up ninety nine point nine percent of the time. There's still going to be that one little thing, and the internet is going to nitpick that shit to fucking death. They did the best they could. The circumstances were hard. There was a mustache. It it all just fucking came together in the wash and all your whites became pink because there was a red sock in there. Uh, no red underwear. But I, I get it, is that we deserve better. And our argument is what would be better? We don't know. We haven't seen better of the Justice League yet. We've just seen a Justice League movie that overall should still be impressive that they did it. It's just... I I personally feel there were shortcuts that were taken that that shouldn't have been to get yeah. there. Whatever, man. It it it's a film and out of that film I think we got a pretty compelling version of certain characters. 
one that I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed was Cyborg, uh, who I thought was just going to be the dishwater of the the movie and saying that next to Aquaman. But <laughs> I I think the actor and and the writing all came together to make him interesting and cool. I liked his portrayal, and and that was a huge surprise to me. So let me uh, ask you let me ask you a question here. Um, yeah, and I I do know where we're we off in the the background. Basically, here's what I'm gonna say about the background article. He's still he's still writing. He's still directing the the Batgirl movie. I'm fine with that because it's my biggest thing with the DCEU or the DCFU, whatever they're calling themselves this week, is that we need more people doing these works, doing their best to do this. We can't have just a small handful of people doing all these big tentpole superhero characters trying to do this universe when they're not hitting the mark. Now, my question. On Cyborg, because I had seen in one trailer or in one like TV spot trailer thing that he sounded like a robot, and then in another one he sounded more human. What? Wh- how? How did he come across to you on and when you watched the movie? Was he like? Was he actually you know more? How did they stray that line with his voice? I I can't remember if they did some sort of digital editing to his voice. They probably did. And it would make sense they did, but I felt like his personality felt human. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't feel like he was some artificial intelligence. He felt like a real guy who'd gone through some shit, uh, which if you know the character, That's, you understand okay. what that references. So, yeah, yeah, that actually answered my question because I actually said that I, I misworded it because that's what I meant because with the one, it sounded like he was just like like his humanity was gone. And then in the other one, it sounded like how he's portrayed everywhere else, you know, including the comics where this is still Victor Stone, but he's just now also robot. You know, he, he just now has robot parts. One of the things I saw again, this is somebody tweeted. And so there has to be a blog post about it somewhere uh, was that somebody reacted to the fact that in a in a kind of end moment for the character he says booyah and that person said this made it so obvious that no black people were consulted to write this film uh because cyborg said booyah even though cyborg is most widely known for being in two cartoon series based around the teen titans and the character says booyah in those series doesn't really say him in his own comic well he does now but it's again came from the cartoon series and the yeah. popularity of that over the comic book version of the character where he's not even in the Teen Titans. <laughs> I I just... Man, comics are an imperfect thing. I dealt with Nightwing having a mullet for fucking years, and it was way past the time that anybody in real life would have been okay with a mullet, but this was supposed to be the coolest, sexiest-looking young superhero in the comics, and he's got like the fucking flat top with the long Business back front party in the back. Seriously, full on Joe Dirt for a long time. Superman had a mullet and, and wore a fucking ponytail as Clark Kent for a long <laughs> fucking time. And and we were all supposed to be all right with it. You'd almost think that comics were created by nerds <laughs> and, and people who are not really up on fashion or or hip slang. Uh, I say to relate to you, children, and your Pac-Man. Um, but 
but if you if you walk away from the movie and and your your biggest complaint about it is that cyborg said booyah and that otherwise marred what was an incredible masterpiece by the unknowing team of Snyder and Whedon. I I just I have to think maybe there's deeper issues out there, bro. Yeah. Um, as far as Batgirl. Yeah. Uh, so this is a movie that wasn't on the radar until Whedon was announced working on it. Nobody was saying there's going to be a Batgirl movie until all of a sudden it's like, Joss Whedon's going to do a Batgirl movie. I mean, Joss Whedon, the guy who said fuck off to superheroes because Marvel just drove him absolutely fucking nuts, is going to go over to DC and do a Batgirl movie? Holy shit. And it's because Joss was around to do that Batgirl movie that I think Warner Brothers decided to pull him in to help with Justice League when they needed someone to step up. And they said, well, we do have the motherfucker who did a couple of Avengers movies that both made a billion dollars. Do you think we should ask him his opinion? Um, and you can you can argue that Avengers 2 was maybe not the greatest movie in the world, but it still performed. You can argue that Justice League is the greatest movie in the world. It hasn't performed. Whatever the case, I don't think there was anything in the air of well, we got to get rid of Joss to have someone else take up the torch of Batgirl because no one was screaming for a Batgirl movie besides me and Gail Simone. I love the character. I've always loved the character. Uh, Beats asking, is the character going to be pre-killing joke or post-killing joke? Because a lot of the character was was made more interesting by being Oracle. Thing is, I love Oracle as well because I love Barbara Gordon. I fucking hate the killing joke. I think it yeah. is a piece of shit story. I think it is a piece of shit thing to do to the character to try to give her agency that she doesn't fucking need. She's just fine on her own. But if you want to have her be someone who has gone through being a paraplegic and then somehow being recovered from it, or if you want to have it be, this is a movie before Batgirl becomes a paraplegic, I don't know. But I'm just willing to watch it because I like Joss Whedon movies and because I really like Barbara Gordon and and I'll give it a fucking shot. I've sat through all these fucking movies so far, and the only one that I can say was mostly great was Wonder yeah. Woman, and even that I have problems with. So, so, sure. So Beats pulling up the evidence from the article that the untitled Batgirl movie is based on the Batgirl story that was first unveiled in DC Comics in 1967. So this would be pre-Killing Joke. My answer to this is going to echo you in ways because i look at how brandon fletcher babs tar and i'm like and cameron stewart did batgirl for the new 52 one of the best books in the new 52 bar none you know batman might, some people, might be some people would really argue with that some people yeah. think it was the downfall of the whole new 52 is when they started doing the dcu stuff i like that book i like those yeah. creators on that book but I love Gail Simone, and it bummed me out yeah. that I didn't enjoy her run on it as much uh, because I felt the tone was off from what I expected from a Gail Simone mm -hmm. Batgirl book. Yeah, same here. But so you cut to them doing the Batgirl of Burnside, which is what she's been as now and stuff like that. And they retconned the killing joke. They said, they basically said to that producer or that editor who said cripple the bitch fuck you that's essentially what they said 
you know, to to this this dude who's probably you know way out of comics or passed away or whatever. I don't know. Um, and that's what I like because you, you can now still tell compelling stories, but you don't have to base it off of a story that's in all of comic book history and, and since then. It's based on a tertiary character. Well, you know, it's Barbara Gordon who's who's used as a plot point in here in the let, killing let's... joke. Let, let's um god we're gonna go so long let's look at a couple <laughs> things one is a problem with batgirl as a character is the same problem as there is with supergirl as a character which is they are both built off of the existence of another male character supergirl doesn't exist without the context of superman and so you have to be able to do a supergirl tv series in which a superman exists but can be her own thing and have her own power and doesn't constantly like, I wish Superman would come here and fix this. Batgirl based her entire identity off of Batman. She she wore the costume for a masquerade party and then sees a crime happening, decides to fight the crime because that is the kind of person that she is. She was heroic, but she wasn't looking to be a superhero. And then realized that she had abilities to do that on the regular, but again, inspired by Batman and and for a while was trained by Batman and Robin, if you're going by the original origin of the character. So in both of those cases, you have to not steal agency away from the lead characters of their own film by having them be beholden to these other characters who are obviously more well-known and, and probably more bankable. And it, that's a tough thing to already go into. On top of that, I'm going to give you the death of Gwen Stacy. Okay. Because the death of Gwen Stacy was a very highly revered Spider-Man story. It it earned what it was. Because Gwen Stacy was a very important character to Peter Parker in the comics for a long time. It was before there was really Mary Jane around. Um, she was beloved. She was the girlfriend. And everybody loved that character. The, the death of the Phoenix. Uh, the death of Jean Grey to become Phoenix. And then Dark Phoenix and all that stuff. Same sort of thing. It's like, it is in some cases, the most interesting stories that these characters have. Spider-Man, Death of Gwen Stacy, is up there as one of the, the biggest, most important Spider-Man stories, not only of its time, but since. Uh, you can say things about Venom, you can say things about uh, Craven's Last Hunt, and those are all very good, but Death of Gwen Stacy is, is a top kick-ass story because it did things right, but it also did something horrific. And when they did the death of Quinn Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man 2, it didn't feel earned. It, it was a huge fucking downer. It relieved us of one of the high points of those film series in the fact that we lost a lead actress who was terrific and was one of the most compelling things up on the screen. And it was also a shit story around it. The, like uh, The stuff with Electro and everything was bad. Uh, they tried to do Dark Phoenix really quick in the X-Men movies. It was like, we're just trying to get to this one X-Men story that everybody loves. Yeah, but there were so many fucking X-Men stories and years and years of getting to know these characters. And you hadn't utilized Jean Grey well at all in the movie so far so that you kill her off in the second one and then bring her back in the third one. And there's no reasoning behind it for film goers. So it doesn't work. And again, shit movie around it. So to say, here's Batgirl, and uh, we're immediately going to start by crippling her by the Joker shooting her. And then 
working her back into being Batgirl. Well, first of all, that sounds like the last Batman movie um, in the, the trilogy before the DC extended universe where Batman's like broken and then he comes back and then he gets broken again, but then he comes back again and then he dies, but he's not really dead. Uh, and he marries Catwoman. Spoilers. I would rather just see a great fucking Batgirl movie. I'd rather oh, see yeah. Barbara Gordon being heroic and, and being her own thing. And and yes, you, you have to lay out the fact that she is in some way related to the Batman universe and has the same kind of motif as a, another well-known character. But I, I just want to see you can do so much more with that character than just the killing joke over and over and over again. Yeah, I don't I, I don't I honestly I don't think Joss Whedon would actually do that would do the killing joke. What I think they do is, or you know, and, and I'm not a writer, I don't claim to be at all. They start the movie with whoever the actress is, is playing Barbara Gordon. She is talking about the two men who influenced her in her life, her father and Batman. And you have this little like montage thing of, you know, her, you know, her, like you said, with the origin of her at a masquerade ball and then going to fight, you know, fight crime and then boom cut to the future you know like you know however many months later or years later she is batgirl that's your that's your start right there and it's you know you're you're still tying her in with batman but it's not oh well here's here's you know a whole movie where she's training with batman he's sitting there telling her go and cook me a sandwich or whatever you know sexist <laughs> thing from the 60s papa you know, spank yeah uh... <laughs> No, and, and the other thing is Joss Whedon, uh, seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, says that Joss can do a story that isn't the killing joke and, and yeah. be compelling and feature a female lead uh, and not make her entire raison d'etre be about some dude. So that that's what my hopes are hanging on. And, and I, I really want this to be a spectacular, but I, I want a really great Nightwing movie. And I don't even know the dude who's in charge of that, but what he's talking about sounds pretty fucking cool for a Nightwing movie. Jam on. So, yeah. So the, I'm going to really quickly do this last bit of story because we are going to go long and I cannot afford to go long here. Uh, but that is that the murder on the Orient express movie is getting a sequel. It's going to be called death on the Nile. Uh, Kenneth Branagh and uh, Michael green are going to be coming back to uh, Michael Green is going to come back to write it, and Kenneth Branagh is expected to come back at, to, as the director and reprise his role as Hercule Poirot. The De- Death of Nile was first published in 1937 and saw the detective on vacation in Egypt and becoming involved in a love triangle gone mysteriously bad. Yeah, it, it's one of the uh, Poirot movies that I just recently was rewatching from the 70s, I think late seventies and very good, very good movie. Obviously based off of the, the Agatha Christie book before that, I have not seen the new movie yet. Uh, I'm excited to see it, but I just haven't had the opportunity. So I, I guess it's great that it had the success it needed to be able to get cleared for a sequel. That's very promising. The other thing that's fun is that, in both the Poirot movies that I, I've watched from the classics and, and what they did in this and uh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express is that it brings together such a giant kind of all-star cast to do that. And that that's a lot of fun, you know, to see that yeah. kind of big display of all these actors playing these 
these interesting uh, parts and and what they get to do with that that ensemble is is neat and that's part of the joy of of watching something like this. So yeah, I I would love to have a whole series of Poirot's stuff being done in the films, but again, I have so much other shit of his to watch already. <laughs> Uh, between the the movies that exist and the the TV series that I need to to mark my way through, but true when they start showing up on cable, you you can bet I'm going to watch them. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna go to the top of my list really fast. So that is it for the else news. We will be right back for the else views. And as a reminder, guys, you can help us out by uh, filling out our survey over at bit.ly slash capital E capital N capital s for survey 2017 that is en survey 2017 and also if you want to help out with the network you can go to gncasts.com slash support and on there you will find our patreon you go there you subscribe a dollar an episode you know or not a dollar an episode a dollar a month and you're helping us to keep keep the lights on that's all we're asking help us keep the lights on gncast.com slash support and we are back and it is time for our else views this is the portion of the show where i come up with many things and Corey leaves me guessing <laughs> so i'm gonna start off with one because you know again i can't pick two you know i actually had like three things i was gonna talk about doomsday clock but i'm like you know i might wait and talk about doomsday clock a little bit later quickly about doomsday clock love the lenticular I freaking love the lenticular cover that they had of Rorschach where you got his traditional uh, Rorschach's uh, face and then you shift it and it's the Batman Superman Wonder Woman logos like that's cool I like it when you Um, shift it to the left and it becomes the Nike logo yeah exactly but the first thing I'm going to talk about is this right here for the video listener or video watchers this is the uh, Marvel Lego Marvel Superheroes 2, the Deluxe Edition, which basically means I got a season pass and I got to play as the original Guardians of the Galaxy for, or early, but I am currently playing this. I am a sucker for the Marvel Lego games, actually for the Lego games in general, but I've got a love-hate relationship with this game. I love the gameplay. I wish we didn't have the, the video game... Uh, the video game actor strike that took place because this uh, this actually took you know some took took some damage because of it. And uh, Beat is asking, is there any games without season passes anymore? Uh, WTF? There are. He I don't said, even know what that means. Uh, so what is, what, what is a season pass? So okay, for a season pass, it gets you DLC where you pay it once, and then you get extra DLC downloadable content later on. So what this meant for the first Lego Marvel Superheroes game was you got uh, level packs based off of Agents of Shield, based off of Ant Man, Winter Soldier, like some of the movies that came out around the time the game was being developed. Okay, so it. What you normally buy individual packs of downloadable content, yeah. a season pass is basically prepaying so you'll get all of the downloadable content as it comes out, as opposed to having to buy a la carte. Yeah, and you're was- you're yeah, and you're saving some money. So on right. the other end, the WWE uh, season pass, I'm getting access to I think probably all but th- maybe two 
uh, downloadable content packs that'll be coming up within the next year, and all, and and it is at a reduced price. You know, where if you bought all of them separately with the game, so the game's fifty nine dollars, then you buy all these. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I hear I hear what people are saying about you know downloadable contents. You know, it's just a way to support to pay more for a game that isn't finished. I don't necessarily look at it that way. I look at it as at least with the Marvel, this the Lego Marvel game. This is a way for them to add new levels for things that have not come out yet. So with Lego Marvel Superheroes 2, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Black Panther level pack, you know, following the movie. Or we saw a Avengers Infinity War, you know, with some of the movies that are coming out, you know, with this next year. And we see some where they it follows loosely the plot of the movie. And so, it, but now, now I have to ask, why would they not have just kept making content for Lego Marvel Heroes One? It, it, you've already paid a season pass for that. And what instead they did is they put out a Marvel Superheroes Two, a whole and, different story, whole different and a story, whole new season pass for that. That yeah. that might so, be part of a complaint. Is that okay? I'm supposed to believe that I'm going to get all this extra content, but then it's kind of up to you guys as to when you stop supplying it and when you go and make me buy a brand new fucking game. A, a lot of the times there's actually, you, there actually is a set one. So the bigger complaint comes in with the, um, with the, the sports games, you know, like the WWE 2K18s or even the, uh, like even in general, the, like Madden and NBA 2K18, you know, like those and FIFA, you know, like those, the big sports games, because it's like, well, what's the thing that's changed from 2017 to 2018 besides adding a, a digit and all that? And a lot of the times the answer is there are some performance tweaks, like with the lighting or with, you know, these other things to make it look more realistic. But a lot of times the answer is, well, the roster's different. But you give me live update. Now, granted, this isn't, it's not this bad with the sports games, but it's like where, you know, they could be paying for it, but they're not. But you give me live updates throughout the season. Why not just keep doing it? And uh, so a lot of people are complaining. B is one of these people who I can t- clearly tell by the text that does not like DLC and season passes. I'm of the mindset of if it's a game I like, like WWE 2K18, I love the WWE, I love superheroes, I love Legos, and all that, I will get the season passes for them. And I'm going to tell you right now, because I'm going to put the $60 games should contain a finished game. Lego Marvel Superheroes 2 is a finished game. But he's saying that his complaint is that there are other games that are getting away with using and, this tactic and they're not finished games. And so the only way to get to the end of the game is to, after you've paid the $60 game, you also have to buy the season pass. And that's where a complaint is coming up because again, there's, there's not a control factor in these things. Yeah. The, the control factor is don't ever buy those people's fucking games again. Uh, but at the point where you've like, I've already made the $60 investment. I just want to get what I, I put into this out of it. Um, so I'll buy the fucking season pass and be pissed off, but I get to at least play my fucking Star Wars game. That's what it sounds like he's he's saying. And and I've heard a lot of people complain about Star Wars. I didn't know the details of it of uh, so Star Wars the, Battlefront. 
the Star Wars Battlefront thing is separate. It is not DLC or season passes because the season passes are probably going to be level packs. You know, much like with the Call of Duty series, there were level packs to where you could play the game. It was a finished game with what they had on the discs. You know, and this is coming from a dude who hasn't played Call of Duty since Modern Warfare 3. I don't I don't know the details because I haven't played I still have my pre-order card from Battlefront 2. I'm like, eh, I'm going to hold off on it because the big controversy isn't that the, about the single player. It's about the fact that they're they have the microtransaction thing of, oh, here you can pay for these crystals and you can unlock your characters faster. Well, you got to spend 60 bucks to unlock a character or something like that. That's besides the point. I'm not talking about those games. I was using the, the DLC as the example for the for those and how they do it. My thing I will counter beat with is what about the Steam Early Access games? Where a lot of those cost money. You look at a game like Ark, Survivor, Survival Evolved. That's a game that costs people $25 to play a bugged out game. But don't they know that going in? Yes. But right. So that's same, different. But at when, the same when, time, when I see when I see a $60 game up on the shelf, uh, I'm assuming by the professionalism of the developer and the professionalism of the companies who put that game onto their system that I'm going to get a finished product or I'm going to get a continuing world thing like a, a World of Warcraft or a City of Heroes or whatever. Um, that's a little different story. But I, the, the, the idea, and this has been a long time and it's part of the, what put me off video games to begin with, is the new game comes out and then you have a day and a half of downloading patches to make the game actually work. And then on top of that, it works sometimes, and then there's still bug fixes that are coming out. And then, oh, and when we get to it, we'll add some extra content. But my my first feeling is I spent $60 on something that should never have been allowed up on the shelf. If someone's telling me, pay us 10 bucks, you get to, to play the beta of this ahead of other people, then I know I'm playing a beta. But that's not what this sounds like. This sounds like I'm getting beta level playability from a game that I'm spending full money for and they don't even care to give me the full game. And there was no warning to that. I don't I, I, I can't say that that's worse or better than putting out a game that is just shitty because it's always a crapshoot with the game. It's like, oh, I got this. Well, this is a piece of crap, uh, but I can resell it into EB or whatever. A shitty game, again, is not as bad as a company not even giving you the game. Yeah. It, it's like opening up and uh, here's five pieces of a of a DVD for your PlayStation. Try to put them together and, and see what happens when you shove it in your slot. Um, no, that I, I can I can get why people would be upset if you buy the game and the single player thing, which is pitched as part of the game that you're purchasing, isn't actually even done. I would be livid. I would be absolutely livid, and I would be gladly happy to join up as part of the class action lawsuit against that company, which I think should probably happen in that case. Yeah. But I don't get And it's 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 one of those things that I am not talking about this in in the whole I have more I have more of a problem with the the now tits up um steam early access because it's it with how I, I understood things for games like PUBG, 
uh, you know, Player Unknown's Battleground or Ark, which were two of the big ones from this at this time, or Rust. You paid for this game that was going to be buggy as hell, probably wouldn't work on your system, wasn't any refunds. It was to help them. It was to help them with quotes fund the game while they're making it. And yet they're taking their sweet ass time, not finishing the game to then release it to where then you have to pay for the game all over again. Yep. You know, you might get a 10% off discount thing or whatever. And and that's the same um, thing as, as backing something on Kickstarter. Yeah. I've, I've backed uh, a, a good amount of Kickstarter stuff. I, I, I definitely had to fall off of that when my finances took a hit. But for a long time, I backed things on Kickstarter and it wasn't indiscriminate, but there were things that some of the stuff didn't happen. Uh, some of the stuff took years. Uh, but in those cases, I also, again, knew going in, some people don't. Some people just assume if you fund something on Kickstarter and it gets funded, that you're automatically going to get your thing and you're going to get it at the time that they said they're going to do it. It's July of next year. Uh, and then July rolls around. You're like, well, where is it? Oh, well, no, we're still working on it. Well, okay. And then it's August of the year after that. And then it's 2046. And you're like, can I, can I, 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 I paid for this thing and the technology doesn't even exist for it to work anymore. Uh, but, but it's almost done. You know, that that's again, knowing going in it's, yeah. it's the knowledge of, but this is how it is. The professionalism of putting something into a fucking box and putting it up on a shelf uh, and being a company that doesn't have to worry about running out of money uh, like EA that feels a little different and yeah. it feels like a weird comparison uh between the two is it, supporting an indie, develop, indie developer i feel like okay yeah it's it's up to me to decide that that indie developer is worth my time based off the fact that they haven't really done a lot of other games before but when i buy an ea sports game or an activision game i don't know if they exist anymore or, or anything like that i kind of feel like i should know that i'm going to get some certain quality going in and what it feels more like is they're allowing excuses to work for them that work for the little guys but they're not the fucking little guys um and that's that sounds like a problem but so you the... we we went off on a because we do we tangent yeah, yeah, yeah. you are enjoying the lego marvel superheroes 2 game but you said that you have a problem with it because of the voice acting Yes, so the Lego Marvel Avengers 2, when it was being made, it took place during the, it was being made during the voice actors strike. So for, for, for the video games, um, they were part of the, uh, due to the game being affected by the 2016-2017 video game voice actor strike, the cast for the previous game, as well as from Lego Marvel Avengers, will not, uh, did not return to their roles as they were affiliated with the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, or SAG-AFTRA. So basically you get new voice actors doing these. It just seemed like some of the, some of the voice actors, like they were doing a different version of the characters, like the, it didn't quite match up, where the, the guys who were doing it before, it's like, okay, when you heard, when you heard the thing, it's like, oh, well, this, he sounds like the thing, you know, like how you picture how you hear the thing in your head where it's like, you know, rough and tumbly, like, like grumbly, like, you know, with, he's got rocks for, you know, vocal cords and stuff like that. The cool thing that I will give it 
is it has Peter Serafinowicz voicing Kang the Conqueror. And Kang is great. Like Kang, he's the big he's the big bad for this game, and I love that. I I love how he's doing all how he's how he is in here. Um, they're still doing the comedy while making this a pretty decent drama. Um, and then Greg I, Miller, I've seen commercials for it, and and the amount of characters that are involved in it is is very cool and i don't know how much of that oh, yeah. is are characters that are just there as cameos and then you get to play them with your dlc stuff but i i do i do know that when i watched the commercials and i saw a character such as uh kamala khan uh miss marvel and i heard her voice i felt like that doesn't sound anything like a voice i would have chosen for this character and and so I don't know if she was one of the ones who didn't return if she was in the first game or not, but that did kind of stand she out was. to me as like, who made this decision? Because it just sounds so off yeah, from what I think of. That's 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 like, you know, Thor's another one where Thor sounds like they're trying to do an Australian accent, you know, like because Chris Hemsworth is Australian, and then in cutscenes, sounds like Richard Iowade from the, uh, you know moss from the it crowd <laughs> and i'm like how the hell do we get such a wide dynamic here um but no it's this is overall I, i'm loving the game i'm probably about halfway through a single player story um you get kamala khan right off the bat um you, you get a lot of these people you get like you know boom right off the top and then it's fairly easy to unlock people. Um, one of the things I love is, again, some of the costumes. So with getting the bonus stuff, I got to play as the the original Guardians of the Galaxy in free play. So I get to play as Yondu and uh, uh, Charlie twenty Charlie twenty seven, um, Nikki, and you know all the original, you know the the old school Guardians. Um, and then just. The other things like instead of like in Lego Marvel Superheroes one, you had to do Deadpool missions to unlock Deadpool. This one, you're unlocking Gwenpool. And she makes nice. a cameo she makes a cameo in one of the events. So basically you're playing Battle World, like Marvel Civil War or Marvel Civil War Two. No, 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 not Civil War. Um oh shit. Secret, Empire? No. Secret no, not Secret Empire. Uh Secret Wars. Marvel yeah. Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2. But there's no Doctor Doom with his God Complex heart on. It's King to Conquer, time doing all these weird time things, and you're going into the Old West or the Hydra Empire and all this, or, Mar or Manhattan Noir, which is great because as you get into Manhattan, the color goes away. <laughs> so it's like the, the attention that they pay pay to all these things is really cool it's just that voice cast yo and i'm not it's not to not trust me it's not to knock the voice actors um but i the the, the big problem i think i have is the fact that i'm looking at you know you look at the lego marvel superheroes 2 imdb page it does not tell you who does who who voices who it just says voice voice like i'm like well i, I want to know like this dude this person sounds familiar how do i not know you know who they are or who they're voicing it just says they provided a voice 
Well, if they were performing the voices and they weren't members of of SAG, uh, yeah. or if they were crossing the picket line, they probably don't want their names credited uh, or they don't get credit because they're not part of the Screen Actors Guild. I don't know the the uh, ticks of that at all, but yeah, that might be why, or it might just be too soon for for the listing. And IMDb is is still an open database. It, it it takes a while for that to populate sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, all in all, I've been loving the game. It's been what's taking up my time when I have free moments. I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna play. Like right now, I'm playing as Doctor Strange, Spider Man. She-Hulk and Wong in the Sanctum Sanctorum having to do having to collect these runes to get this the the book of the Vashanti so Doctor Strange can get uh get the the world tree um, I think I think it was a world tree and th- it, they introduced a new puzzle game which is great one thing they hit they hint at the movies so I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, get with this because he does. They're doing with this. They're doing a thing where you have to. It's it's a, a new puzzle game they haven't done where you have to trace out the shape, but you can't use the same path twice. That got hard for me on a couple of things because I didn't know that, and they give you hints, but I'm like, I don't need no hint. I'm my own man. I can do this, and I'm like, wait, what? What am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> and all that. And then you get to, so I'm like, I got like one left in there, but you know, luckily since it's all I'm playing, I don't have to worry about like, oh, I lost my save game data. The other thing, you start out, you play, this is for the first little bit, you're focused around the Guardians of the Galaxy. They have the rights to come and get your love and Mr. Blue Sky. Like you're, they're actually, it's the actual songs because. Uh, a lot of the characters they have the B button, so this button here on your controller, move where it's like a laser blast. Star Lord, he puts on his headphones and he's dancing to music, and anyone who comes around him starts dancing to the music as well. And I- I'm sitting there in a level, in the middle of a level. I'm like, you know what, Han? How far do the- in the song do they go? It does damn near the whole song. Like there were nice. times where I was, and it's fun because he's sitting there dancing around. You could shoot while he's dancing. I'm like. I want to recreate the opening to Marvel Guardians, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. <laughs> but yeah, really cool. I'm I'm loving the game. You can find it at you know all your stores. You know it's and it's on all the systems. It's on the Switch as well, man. So it's I mean it's everywhere. Um, but yeah, that is Marvel Lego Marvel Superheroes number two. So. Do you got anything else that you want to, that you want brought to us or No, I, I kind of inadvertently gave a Justice League review already. I'm fine. Okay. So, see previous Justice League review. On to my other thing. Stranger Things season 2. Now, this is actually sort of a combo cuz I'm going to do, do spoiler free. Basics of the review. I loved it. So cool. I actually highly recommend watching when you're done the Beyond Stranger Things after show that they do, but you know, watch it once you're done with the whole the whole show not like oh well here this must correlate with episode one because it doesn't i love the new cast that they got in here um the girl who plays max and you know it's, it's just like the, like the character of max such a badass she's this new girl in town that they don't they all sort of you know they they all meet and stuff 
her brother such a dick so and and funnily enough the actor plays the red power ranger in the uh latest power rangers movie okay not the power ranger red power ranger who killed somebody no the uh no i must i don't think so because probably would have got yeah i mean overall this whole sean astin's in this man and i'm saying this as you know for you know like to to help you into you need to watch this um which i know it's on your list of you know of watching i think you're just what you're waiting for aaron so you guys watch it together yeah trying to find a time when we can both sit down also our not that it matters because we can watch netflix through uh the comcast boxes but our roku in the living room is a roku too and it is on its last legs it keeps resetting uh so it's become uh, it's it's less enticing to sit in the living room and watch tv yeah than it is in the bedroom because we have the roku three in there that's just one of those things that needs to get replaced but it is yeah yeah it, it's the time and 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 dedicating yourself to watching something of that length together and and i just got through the on my own the punisher series mm-hmm. uh, which i think while certainly nowhere near my favorite character maybe in my opinion, the best of the Marvel Netflix series so far. It just felt consistent throughout the whole thing. I, I've seen some people complain about, uh, the, I think, the third episode where it spends a lot of time with Micro and, and his backstory, but I liked all of that, and I felt mm-hmm. like there was never a moment where I just felt like it was too tacked on or or too much just filler. Uh, and And even going to to Jessica Jones or the the first season of Daredevil, Daredevil, which I think were both very strong. There were there were certainly episodes where I let okay, they probably could have skipped most of this. This felt overall, I think, complete, smartly done. Uh, it never jumped the rails for me. The villain slash villains were compelling and the right usage for it. I liked the the show overall. The other thing with Stranger Things, honestly, the soundtrack. The soundtrack is so good. Like like the Duffer Brothers had had taken uh, and Sean Levy, the executive producer, had taken the time and you know were they like they had their end goal in here and they had the idea for the songs and all this stuff, which leads me to another part. They have the Stranger Things soundtrack out that is so good. I mean, forget the fact that it is you know like well first off it's thirty songs or thirty tracks. But forget the fact that it's a, you know, they're a lot like a lot of songs from the 70s and the 80s, um, you know, like Toto's Africa and uh, Devo's Whip It and, you know, different songs like that. In between, like the, the, the soundtrack starts out with Will singing The Clash. The Clash was the first season. Should I Stay or yeah. Should I Go was, was yeah. used a lot the first yeah, season. It, yeah, he was singing Should I Stay or Should I Go and all that and then you get all these other little uh little like interludes with dialogue from the first and second season just throughout there's no context through them one is l and mike talking about mouth breathers from season one and all that and i'm like this is just great it's you know it's like really clever with how they do this and you know, so it's, it's what I've been listening to, honestly, in the place of podcasts going to and from work is just, you know, listening to this and, you know, getting my mind right. Like, all right, I'm good. Let's go. 
you know, li- listening to Whip It, just sitting there, you know, just dancing along to it. And all, like a lot of these songs are before my time. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm loving it. Hurt it's so good. <laughs> but true. No, I'm but... kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah. We reviewed uh, a, a movie from 1987 uh, yesterday on Podcast of Terror. And uh, Matt already makes me feel old. And then our our special guest, Erica, just trounced that completely. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it, uh, this came out like five years before I was born. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, see, at least I'm not that bad. That would have only been two years before I was born. Yeah. Whereas I was 16 when it came out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but no, so this that's uh, honestly, that's going to wrap it up for else views. Do you like scary movies? Did you answer yes to that question? Have you ever thought, hmm, I'd really like to listen to two random strangers talk on the internet about some movies that I may or may not have watched at some point in my life. Sometimes they even bring guests on, which adds to a little bit of the banter. Sometimes we cover the news of the week. Sometimes we don't talk about the movie at all. Sometimes one of us gets a little bit drunk. It's just the way that we do things over at the Podcast of Terror, which is a production of Galactic Netcast case you weren't sure if you're interested in this please go ahead and head over to gncast.com pot subscribe and enjoy the crap out of it and we are back and it is time for the else words and this is the big discussion topic of the day and that is that disney is in the hunt again for 20th century fox Basically, 21st Century Fox is the hot piece of ass out there that everyone wants. Comcast has approached 21st Century Fox to express an interest in a possible acquisition, according to media reports. This, um, you know, recently citing, you know, of course, citing people familiar with the matter. Cable Giant wants to explore talks to buy Fox's movie and TV studio, some of its cable networks, and its stake in satellite TV provider Sky, Star, in- Star India, and the Hulu streaming service that part right there could be big. I'm going to hit on that in a second. Um, The Fox Broadcasting Co., local television stations, Fox News Channel, and Fox Sports would not be included in a possible sale. Disney, as we all know, has has already been involved with this, um, rumored to be involved with this. We've talked about that before. And before I get your opinions, because this was on an episode that you weren't on, Corey, that could be big with on the Hulu side alone. Because Hulu right now is owned by Fox, ABC, NBC, Comcast as a silent partner, essentially. Right. Like they, they have no say, they have board seats or whatever, but they don't have a voice when it comes to decisions. And so and if, they, if they got the control, would that double up the amount of shares and control that Disney has of Hulu over nbc slash comcast yeah see that that's the weird part is would how would that then work with com if comcast bought fox does that give comcast power or does this give complete control to abc with on, on the hulu side on the hulu side right and and that's that's the thing is like i i imagine now, they say that they're not including the news stations, and I would think that Disney probably can't have the news stations because of owning ABC, uh, maybe too much of a monopoly of of 
too many news broadcasting stations. Or maybe it's just that that's not something that they want to give up. That Fox thinks that they can do something with that still and and they're willing to give up this this other portion. But it does seem that that would be a reason why Disney could not purchase that portion of it. <sighs> the streaming thing is interesting because Disney's already introducing or planning its own streaming service, but would they forego that if they had controlling stakes of Hulu? Or is it still because they would have to share those the the benefits of the Hulu thing with NBC slash Comcast anyways, would they still say no for, for our real shit, the stuff you really want, uh, you got to come over here to the thing that we only control and nobody else is involved in this? Or do they power Xfinity and NBC out by having enough shares in it. Does Hulu just go away and become the Disney streaming thing and then NBC has to find its own home for its stuff? That's possible. It, it still seems like everybody's taking their ball and going home uh, yeah. more often than not. So this is, and also Beats pointing out that I would almost have to say with either side of this, because it's so it's so weird, it, like weird and interesting that we have 21st Century Fox wanting to, or Fox in general, wanting to, to split off certain parts and sell certain parts of its, of what it owns. You know, this is, it, it, like, I look at this as, you know, this is Rupert Murdoch not happy with everything that he has and him wanting money. And I could probably be wrong. I could probably be right. I don't know. But you look at the Comcast part and it's, there Beats pointing out that there are some DOJ issues here as well. Uh, much like there is with the AT&T Time Warner merger and all that, which is true because, I mean, you give Comcast, you know, they would then get uh, stakes in satellite provider Sky and Star India. So Sky, the UK provider, is now owned by one of the biggest cable providers in America. And I, 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 I don't know what else there is in India besides Star India. Like, this is the only thing I've heard of for over there. So, I mean, that's that to me could be a big thing that would, would block this. Like, they would have to roll out the, the Xfinity division. Well, that's or something that's yeah. So, that's another curiosity is that a business that Disney themselves even want to get into? And, and, and I, I kind of look at this and I think I can see the, the call for. Disney getting portions of it and Comcast getting other portions of it. And I can see things where they would both want certain portions, but not necessarily both wanting all of it. There there are parts that Disney would definitely like getting back control of their own characters, their own usage of of X-Men and Fantastic Four characters, for one, would make a ton of sense for them. And not the only thing uh, that they could gain benefit from, but that is the the priority that many of us see getting back the original star Wars movie, uh, that Fox still retains full rights on having the ability to complete that entire transaction so that they, they lock stock and, and two smoking barrels, all of star Wars finally. And maybe we'd actually get the blu-ray of the original cut of the film possibly, but broadcasting stations like, but basically like being the, the TV provider, is that something that they want to do? Have they ever considered that? 
right now, it seems like it's something that should wind up on the radar at some point, especially as we're looking at net neutrality issues here in the United States, uh, whether or not that's going to be a thing going forward. And would Disney then have to be beholden to companies like Comcast and AT&T to get their content to people? Uh, right now, it's like, oh, we're going to create a streaming service and everybody's going to want our streaming service. And then all of a sudden, it's the, the paywall of, well, if you want people to see your streaming service, here's where you nudge, nudge, wink, wink, slide a fucking number over to us and we laugh at you and tell you that it's going to be five times that. Getting out of that, like what Google tried a few years ago with Google Fiber, not the dumbest thing to consider doing, but it is a very different business and something that I don't know that they've looked at. They already are being kind of bearish on the streaming service. They're not planning on starting it right away and they're not saying we're going to be the next Netflix. They're just saying we're going to do these things and hopefully eventually get to be at a level of Netflix. Uh, it, it's tough, but at the, the money that they're at and at the power level that they're at, diversifying makes sense. I don't know. So I mean, here's how I look at this with looking at this now. Like basically we have the two sides here, Disney and NBC Universal, Comcast, NBC Universal, wanting Fox. The things that are up at stake um, for this are uh, the 20th Century Fox movie studios, cable channels like FX, but not the sports channels. I, sh I feel like that should be pointed out and not the local Fox affiliates um, that they or the Fox channels that they own already. Sky, the British broadcaster giant and star an Indian broadcaster. I feel like this is, if this were to happen, Disney could make a deal that would be close, but probably under what, what Comcast would offer. And I could see Fox taking it because there would be less DOJ stuff going with it because there's not uh, there's not a lot of oh well they're a monopoly now that there would be with Comcast because Comcast would gain a British broad a British cable company an Indian cable company and would have actually god see this is tough for me because I would like it, it's like both I would like to see part of it like on both sides but I'm more bullish. I more would like it to go to Disney because of the whole, you know, they now have full control of Star Wars. They now have all or more control over the Marvel characters that are not licensed or that they've licensed out. Uh, but that then that also begs me the question of this: What if, for some reason, Comcast were to purchase uh, 20th Century Fox, so the the movie studio? Would they then get the film the film rights for the Marvel franchises? For those particular ones, for the ones that Fox owns? Yeah. That's kind so of tough for, to say for, because for the X-Men and uh the Fantastic Four basically is what they got. That's kind of tough to say. I would have assumed yes, but Beat pointed out something at the beginning of the or their pre-show where it sounded like the deal that Disney has with Fox is that Fox can't sell the rights to another company which would make a certain degree of sense. If, if, if we're, we're giving you rights, but it, they didn't sell them outright. It's just, 
there there are rules in place as to how do they have to keep doing it and and but, why they have to work together on TV and stuff. Yeah. But if it is a okay, yeah, you can you can sell them, but you have to give us first option on them. Would make sense. It really depends. Yeah. Marvel was over a barrel when they offered Fox those rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how that contract looked was not very beneficial to Marvel in the long run, but it helped get them out of the trouble they were in at the time. Uh, and it's been a fight to try to get that back. And how hard they fought depends. We don't see a lot of that. It's all behind the scenes stuff. But it's been assumed Marvel would love to get that shit back. And certainly would love to stop sacrificing the comics uh, of those characters and teams to because they don't want to just create IP stuff for Fox to get all the benefits from in the films. But I, I don't know. I don't know if that is something that would even be an option. But is it? Do, is that same deal in place for the first Star Wars? Yeah, you know, for a new hope that that's a thing. There's a lot more there that they could get. It's it's the benefits seem obvious. These things that Disney already owns or wants chunks of to begin with, but there's so much more there. Uh, now, Beat has asked a, a couple of things. One, he says uh, Disney getting all of Marvel characters would be the worst thing possible because no Deadpool, Logan, Legion. I refer you back to the else news section when I said that there was a lot more uncomfortable banging in the Marvel Netflix shows than what <laughs> I was what I was prepared for. Uh, you may be right that they don't have an interest in making those kinds of movies, but I feel that they can see the benefits of what Deadpool and Logan and Legion have all done. And on top of that, one of the big things that Marvel bought Star Wars and bought the Marvel, sorry, not Marvel, what D- Disney has done by bar- buying Star Wars and buying Marvel, uh, buying all LucasArts stuff, was that they needed to get IPs to get boys interested because they felt like they were seen as just the princess company. They could get girls to like Disney stuff and, and boys of a certain age to like Disney stuff, but they felt that they weren't compelling teenage boys or, or anywhere past that to buy into their products. And that was why they, they bought those. And I think they're always looking at the IPs and how they perform. And maybe Deadpool stops being R rated movies and becomes PG 13 is a little bit racy but keeps the same sort of tone. And they see if that works for the character or not. Uh, and and since Logan was the first of the Wolverine movies to be an R-rated movie and was also a closure for the Wolverine movies and that character in the films, I don't think they'd feel that they were losing much by not doing that again. Getting Wolverine on the screen with some of the other Marvel characters, having a Spider-Man Wolverine crossover potential, uh, even though they'd still have to work with Sony for that, outweighs the the idea of is Logan something that Disney would ever do again? Is it necessary at this point? Uh, the other thing that Beat asked is would they continue with Fox Searchlight? Uh, would they keep up with independent movies? Same thing. I think when they feel that they can get some gains out of it, sure, if it's they use it to help coddle up and coming filmmakers to then pull them off into their own other properties. Yeah. I, I, if, if they've got money that they can just give away, it's kind of like Netflix saying, here's a million dollars to do a couple of seasons of your show. And we're going to trust you to do that. I think that that model is going to become more popular from these big companies going forward because they realize that 
the model of Hollywood of just, we have a property that we own. We want somebody to develop a script. And it's like, well, I don't need another fucking remake of Fright Night or Demolition Man or whatever. Uh, I know there hasn't been a remake of Demolition Man, but wait. They want to get storytellers and people who are exciting. That's why people are looking at Jordan Peele and what he did with Get Out and saying, holy shit, we got to get this guy on our stuff now. It's like, yeah, but the reason why he's so hot is because he didn't do your shit. He did his own stuff. The reason why some of the these next level directors are hot directors is because they built their voices doing their own things. The guy who just made the Thor movie did what we are in shadows and and it like came out of fucking nowhere as far as hollywood is concerned nobody was promoting that film fans found it and loved it on on cable and on netflix and stuff but that wasn't being promoted here but that guy suddenly became hot commodity and disney said let's let him do thor let's see what he can do with it because we don't know what to do with it right now and his vision worked and their trust in him worked so I don't, I know that Disney is something that we see as a giant fucking conglomerate, rightfully so, and an IP farm, rightfully so, and maybe has at times been considered creatively bankrupt, but you can't look at what's been accomplished and say that they're still across the board creatively bankrupt. And they're on the verge of they've already made five billion dollars this year and the new Star Wars hasn't even come out yet. It seems like whatever they're doing is to some degree working. And you can say that it's homogenous and you can say that it's safe. You can say it's all the same thing. Uh, Like you can say that about Marvel films in general or you can say that about Star Wars films in general. And that's all absolutely probably true. But when you have so much as the foundation of safe, you can afford to take risks when you need to uh, and when you choose to and when it feels right. And that I think Disney is capable of. We just have to see it. The other the, the other thing I'll point out is because Beat mentioned, you know, it was the whole, you know, rated R is not in Disney's vocabulary. They own 20% of Vice Media. Inclu- so the HBO show that gets put out the Viceland TV TV network, which both of those use language. Also, I I will point out that every single character in cars was full on naked. Yeah. And true. And, but no, I'm, I'm not talking about HBO because they don't own anything in HBO. It's the, the, the show that HBO produces, which cause HBO is time Warner. You're right. But is the, was the fa- is that they have a show on their vice which they do all the journalism stuff there that they also do on vice land the other part because i was looking through the lists of assets that they own you know they owned power rangers for a while they owned miramax films um for a while you know there's a lot of stuff that they you know own that you know the whole language thing when it would sort of make sense if you look at it, but when you dig deep, you know, it's sort of like, well, they, and yes, okay, what happened to Miramax in the end, I know, but still, that's a whole other can of worms that we're not going to touch. <laughs> but it's one of these things that, like, you look at a lot of these things here, and it's, this is, I mean, 
Disney is not the clean cut corporation that they would like you to think they are. You know, they've, you know, they're willing to get, you know, down and dirty and, you know, do things that you know, some people, or, you know, allow things that certain people wouldn't say. Or the, the mouse brand. Right. And that's, that's the thing is keeping the brands somewhat separate. The, the first instinct was when Disney bought Marvel is you were going to see all of these Mickey Mouse in Iron Man armor things happening. And, and I don't know if they've got that stuff at the park, but that was the first treatment was all of these characters were going to get Disneyized. Uh, and that really hasn't happened. Now they, you see the characters in the Disney theme parks, uh, but I feel like even then they're being true to what the characters are. You look at the Guardian of the Galaxies ride and and the whole experience of it and everything, and it seems pretty true to what Guardians of the Galaxies is in the films. I I I think what Disney is doing is expanding what it is, but it's knowing that if you're a Pixar person, that doesn't make you a Star Wars person yet. Uh, or a Marvel person yet. And again, when you look at Marvel, what they've done now, the Marvel television is separate from the Marvel films. Absolutely. But there are risks taken in those Marvel television shows. Yeah. And, and that's still, it's the same company owns both. How much hand they have in, in that, we have to see. I haven't seen Runaways yet. Uh, I know it, feels kind of totally like it's made for freeform but it could be that it it has themes and and situations that are not quite at the expected tone for a teen show on freeform it may quick go quick re- quick review because uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna, that's okay spoiler alert for next week my topic my thing i will be talking about in the interviews is runaways uh the, the first five episodes because boy howdy i am enjoying it you're you're not far off mainly it's what um, are you referencing uh runways on on hulu mainly it's they've they've hit two things with covering you know the first issues was um the x-ray goggles they did a really clever way of that where chase didn't use them at first to peek at chloe or at you know at the girls it was gert peeking at chase nice she saw she and you don't see you just see you know like you know what she's doing but you're not seeing yeah, what she's you, you you see upper body you don't see dr manhattan as it were in in 1978 <laughs> or whatever i saw superman attempt to look at lois lane uh when she was standing in front of a a or standing behind a lead pot or something uh, mm-hmm. because she asked him to tell him tell her what color underwear she was wearing and then a second later he says pink and he's all excited and and it that was racy for a superman moment but it was displayed yeah. perfectly well in a superman movie that didn't you know take anything away from either character or make it too much for kids watching yeah a movie I about mean, a guy who can fly and then the other part is they swear they swear you know like like they're taking parts from the comic but instead of doing the censored version, they're actually saying the words and all that. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, it is, again, I'm, I'm going to talk more about it next week, but I want to hit on with the the Fox Searchlight. I don't see why 
they would have to get rid of Searchlight at all. Or, you know, you know, just shove it away and not use it. Because Searchlight has been great for the independents. They don't, I mean, you, you look at it this way. I mean, Searchlight is one of those things where they could get these up-and-coming talents and stuff like that. And, yeah, they rebrand it, whatever. And here they're going to get, you know, like Corey said, with Taika Waititi. His movies I could easily see being distributed here in America through Fox Searchlight. You know, what we do in the shadows, the hunt for wilder people. Uh, there was one that, like Boy versus Shark, I think was one, another one that he did, or Eagle versus Shark. Um, you know, like all those, they would have been Fox Searchlight easily because they're, you know, low budget independent movies. That's all they're doing. They don't have to put, you know, billions of dollars like they do with mil- with Marvel movies. It's just, you know, here's, you know, $100,000 for your, for your movie. And, and and we'll handle the distribution and there you go awards are one thing i mean there it's i don't know i, I just i look at more of the creator side not the we need award side but i mean that's right. just me and this is disney from 20 years ago i can i can see the argument of well this is this is what they do and this is what's safe and and they need to make money and all that other stuff but disney from now is a company that consistently makes a lot of money and can be brave in the choices. Now, brave doesn't always mean that they they will, uh, but they have the opportunities. And the other part of it is, is that this is a Disney that has benefited by bringing in stuff that is different from their known brand. Uh, this is a Disney that has benefited and sees what Fox is doing and what their successes are versus what their hardships are. The the Fox X-Men movies we know have seemed to have diminishing returns over the last couple of films. But the side movies, the things that get to be braver in their content, like Deadpool, hugely successful. Uh, Logan, I don't know as hugely successful, but I know that critically successful. The New Mutants movie that's coming out, we can wait and see what it's going to do, how the audience is going to react to it. But at least it's interesting. And in a universe where Marvel movies get to all have different tones and different themes, and yes, again, may feel safe so far, they may say, well, this is where we get to play around and not be as safe. Or they say, that's not what we want to do with the X-Men, but it is what we want to do with something else. But I think realistically, when you have so much available to you, then you get to take bigger chances. You get to take bigger risks. Uh, also, when you have nothing, you can take big risks. That's why horror movies are are done by people who who are on shoestring budgets and just like, I will work my ass off to make this out of a labor of love. But there's a whole world in between where you're just teetering on. I've got funding. I've got to make this to the specs of or I've got fucking Warner Brothers reshooting my entire movie like it's a fucking trailer and using every goddamn overused song in their their album library to to sell people on a theme without an actual story to it. I don't think Disney has to do that. The the when you see what James Gunn says about his experience working with Marvel, it's very encouraging. 
Uh, but again, that's Marvel, which is just a segment of Disney. And I, what I'm expecting to see with Disney is more segments, not a Disney giant overhead and everything's just Disney. I, I think it's going to be Disney owns Marvel, but Marvel is what Marvel is. Disney owns yeah. Star Wars and Star Wars is what Star Wars is. Because otherwise, there's not a goddamn reason why there's not a Disney Marvel Star Wars crossover movie yet. It just, it seems inevitable. They haven't even done it in the comics yet. I I feel like if they were just money hungry, they would do that. But they seem to have some integrity in the fact that they don't want to misuse their properties right now. Eventually, they'll yeah. probably get there. Yeah. No, exactly. But that's going to do it for us here. Um, unless there's anything else you want to add. Uh, I just want to say one point that Beat finished off on was, uh, yeah, Joss Whedon was so happy with Marvel. Remember, Joss Whedon's anger at Marvel was probably more when it had to do with Ike Perlmutter and uh, his his Marvel team of writers from the comics coming in trying to make things work. But yes, there was the lead. In, yeah, he, I think that's been talked about a lot. I've read a few articles on Bleeding Cool. His, his frustrations were they were trying to implant things for stories coming later on. And Kevin Fahey... That's what allowed him to kind of pull away and say, uh, these guys need to go. I'm going to control this universe a little bit more. Now, I'm not saying that there's not still problems like that in the Marvel Universe, uh, but it's it seems like from what I've read uh, from statements, and it's all, again, behind the scenes and just picking up what we hear from blogs and people retyping other people's stories. I We almost made no money. Yeah, that's probably another thing that's probably different now. But still, I... I I look at the fact that Marvel's still making huge moves in their film universe. Uh, and and some people aren't going to enjoy working in it, and some people will. Just like some people can get rich working for a corporation and feel very happy there, and some people say, I would never work a corporate job. I'm an artist. Uh, and some people can do both. True. True. So that's going to do it for us. You can leave us your feedback by contacting us by leaving a message on our voicemail at 805-328-3966 or you can send us an email at mail at elsnerds.com all subscription options and links can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe and you could find galactic network over on and the social networks by looking for galactic netcasts and you can follow the show on twitter at elsnerds you can follow the producers. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. B is at Beatmaster80. Uh, Sean Burns is at S. Burns PA. And you can find me on that at that Gregor. And Corey, where can people find you? You know, man, I'm just around. Uh, I'm going to again lead with uh, go check out the comics that I help publish at donutscomics.com. And if you're interested in lowbrow art that is very risky in nature, uh, but still kind of pretty because it's it's quite beautiful, just that it's filled with dicks and vaginas. Go to store.arthag.com and uh, help support my wife making very weird but wonderful art. Yes, exactly. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or you'll sleep in a Casper sleep box. <laughs>
on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. We're going to take a break for an ad. Do you want me to do a fake ad? Do a fake ad. Oh, okay. Uh, hmm. Uh, uh, hmm. Got it. Great. I put myself in the spot, and then what I'm going to do, I'm going to stretch this out 40 minutes. Uh, <laughs> people, I want to talk to you about sleep. You've been hearing it all over the place. Sleep is important. Sleep is slowly killing you. If you don't get enough of it, you will die. You will die a fat, ugly death. I'm an example of that. And you might be saying to yourself, well, what do I do to get better night's sleep there, Corey? Uh, well, first of all, listen to this podcast. That would probably help a little bit. Lull you with the dulcet tones of hating on Zack Snyder. But we got an offer for you. We got an offer for you. Uh, it's the newest thing out there. It's from Casper. It is the sleep box. Yes, the Casper sleep box. Uh, because the Casper mattresses, as you already know, are the level of comfort that we all have come to love. But the sleep box is the next level. Because what you find with a Casper mattress is it's a little too open. It's a little too open and inviting. If you've got someone laying next to you, they let a fart in the middle of the night. You can't sleep through that. Uh, they shift around. It, it's it's like uh, aftershocks, uh, probably from the fart. So you need the sleep box. In this Casper sleep box, you uh, you enter in into the relative comfort of memory foam. But on top of that, you have a nice enclosure. Now you might be saying, "Well, I'm enclosed in a box. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna muffle some of the movement." But what about the sound? Well, we'll take care of that for you. Uh, we will not only put you into the Casper sleep box, we will then lower you into a six foot deep pit. And in that six foot deep pit, uh, you will be able to to rest easy knowing that there will be no movement, except for maybe some bugs and, and other creepy crawly things uh, and the undead. But But you say, sure, the deep pit, nice, no movement, uh, no shifting, but I feel like there's still way too much sound. Well, my friend, we will take care of that as well. We will cover you in that six-foot pit with a nice, loose dirt. Uh, you will be in a box, six feet in the ground, uh, on your nice Casper mattress. Now, you might think, well, shit, if I sleep so soundly, what am I going to do to be able to get up in the morning and get ready for work? Well, if you oversleep, we have a process. What we're going to do is we're going to do your makeup, if you're the sort who needs makeup, and we will dress you in very fine clothes. The finest outfit that you have to be put into your box and then lowered into the ground uh, and, uh, and, and then dirt put on top of you. Now, you might be thinking, well, that all sounds well and good, Corey. Of course it does. I don't lie. Uh, but my Casper sleep box, I, I can't just dedicate myself to it. Well, my friend, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you, you get a free trial. You get a free trial. You get yourself the Casper sleep box. You get your makeup done up uh, pre-sleep. You get your best outfit put onto you. You get lowered into the ground. You get the dirt put on top of you. And if you have any complaints, all you have to do is knock at the top of the box and uh, let us know that you don't want any more. And maybe somebody will dig you up. The Casper sleep box sleep like the dead. <laughs> I I honestly was losing it the whole time you did that. Um, that's that. That's now we have an ad. <laughs> now we have a sponsor. 